Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025. The game we are live today, a Halloween edition from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena, Preds and Calgary tonight. Floyd Reese, we have got the Halloween theme out here at Pete and Terry's Tavern, including the candy bucket has returned. So come on out and trick or treat. So what we got is we're also registering on site people to win a pair of Preds tickets for tonight's game. We'll be giving away or drawing at five, at 445 for the winner of that. And so stop on by, come say hey to us, register to win those tickets, and get you some candy. GM, how are you? Outstanding. Trying to stay warm. Well, cool, maybe cool if you had a quickly. Halloween costume on today, you would be staying warm, but you are too cool for Halloween. Well, no, I mean, I just... I'm at work. This is what you wear at work. I'm at work. I know, but you got your killer whale outfit on, so I'm not sure. Killer whale? Killer whale. Isn't that what that is? I'm dressed as a panda. (laughs) I thought it was a killer whale. There is a humongous Uh, difference between killer whales and pandas, but they are both endangered species. So at least you got it in that family, if nothing else. Yes, I'm dressed as a panda, and you know what? I'm festive on Halloween. I I don't dislike Halloween. Like, I dislike some of these other holidays, like St. Patrick's Day. Um, but I, you know, Halloween, I'm cool with Halloween. I used to hate Halloween. Now I'm kind of okay with it. I think it's me getting older. Uh, but definitely, definitely still anti-St. Patrick's Day. Halloween never made any sense to me. Why, just a day to people to dress up well, and give out candy? Yeah, all of a sudden, it's, hey, we're going to pick this day, and we're going to put on these crazy outfits and and give people candy. Why? It's Halloween. It's what you do. Okay. Let's do it. But St. But Patrick's gonna, Day makes sense to you. Great, well, at least it's celebrating something. What does it celebrate? St. Patty. Who's he? Oh, I can't even talk to you. Okay, what about Valentine's Day? Do well. you have a problem with Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day doesn't mean much to me. It doesn't mean much to me either. I mean, yeah. like, I, I mean, I get it, but, like, I don't know. I feel like it's something for, you know, to sell candy and, you know, dinner reservations and flowers and all those people. Like, you know what? Let's add a day to get a little piece of the pie. I don't. If, if you're really in love with somebody, I don't think you need a special day to tell them that, you know. You just got to do it all the time. That's how I feel about you and me. So, <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I mentioned so it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> so, uh, Jared, the GM here, I want to start on this, and it comes from Teron Davenport, ESPN.com, and I was reading his uh, column, which was, the headline is, Two Drives Show How Ryan Tannehill Has Jump-Started the Titans' Offense. TD writes talking about the fact that the Titans' offense has been better than, than it was under Mariota. I think we can all agree with that. That's the gist of the beginning of TD's column. Fair to say? Fair. Okay. TD writes this. It might seem as if he's making quicker decisions, but according to ESPN Stats and Information Research, Tannehill is taking 2.88 seconds before pass attempts, which is longer than Mariota's 2.84 seconds. It isn't better pass blocking for Tannehill either, TD writes. With Mariota, the offensive line was 10th in the NFL with a pass block win rate of 60%. With Tannehill, they've dropped to 23rd at 54%. TD goes on to write, Two drives illustrate why Tannehill has been effective. The first was in the third quarter against the Chargers and Tannehill's first start. The 14-play drive covered 84 yards and took 7 minutes and 9 seconds off the clock, requiring three third-down conversions and was capped by a 6-yard touchdown pass by Tajay Sharp to give the Titans the lead. The second drive... 
put the Titans ahead for good against Tampa Bay. And I'm not going to go over to say any more than that. We all know the drive TD's talking about. Those drives highlight the offense's improvement in both red zone and third down efficiency the past two weeks. So basically, as TD goes on to write, the third down conversions were Tannehill where Tannehill has given the Titans offense a boost. Before he became the starter, Tennessee's 29.5 conversion rate was 29th in the league. In week seven and eight with Tannehill at quarterback, the conversion rate was 45%, which was 13th in the league. Tannehill's QBR on third downs is 56.5. Mariota's is 12. So that's what TD says, that the two drives where the Titans hit on third downs they had extended plays or, I mean, extended drives that, that led to touchdowns where they were effective on third down and in the red zone is the sole difference between Mariota and Tannehill so far. Floyd, as a GM, without going back and watching the tape and writing each number down and everything, when you watch it, is it as simple as TD lays out that the Titans have simply been more effective on third down with Tannehill at quarterback? Well, I mean, that's, that's a very, very important part. I don't think anybody deny that, but... The, the difference in my mind is not the time the ball's getting off or how long or when. It's the decisiveness with which he throws the ball. When he's back there, when Marcus would let go of the ball half the time, I'm not convinced he knew exactly where it was going. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you end up with not only taking hits, but you end up with sacks or is because you're kind of, geez, I don't know, I don't know. And at least with Ryan, Ryan will get back and the ball may come out a, a hundredth of a second slower or whatever the numbers represent. But he knows exactly where it wants to go and how he wants to get it there. And I think that's the difference to me. From the time the ball leaves the quarterback's hand to where it gets to the receiver mm-hmm. is, is completely different in my mind. So that's, that's the biggest you know, that's the biggest difference I think I see. So that takes me to a whole, like a whole other subset here. But it reminds me of the training camp practices where they played, where they practiced against the Patriots. And we talked about this on the air because the first day you watch the Titans offense, the second day you watch the Patriots offense. And I said to you, Brady looks like he is just humming the ball in there. You know, that when he would go back to throw, he'd throw it, boom. And that Mariota looked like he was just throwing some ducks. And you're like, yeah, you know, Tom's arm strength really isn't all that good. It's really not. And then the next day you watch the Patriots offense and you were like, Tom was humming the ball in there. And that's, to me, the biggest difference between Tannehill and Mariota is that Marcus, you know, Marcus was so unsure what to do, not sure, didn't want to make a mistake. And then when he threw it, it kind of had like a little lollipop feel to it, which might be more indecisiveness than it is actual talent or arm strength. But when Tannehill decides he's going to throw the ball, like the Corey Davis touchdown or the Sharp touchdown, both of them, or some of these throws, he doesn't give a rip what happens. He's chucking that ball. And that's, I think, the biggest difference between the two is it's not arm strength, but it is the willingness to hum the ball in there and put some zip on it. Uh, And I think Tannehill throws, and he knows what his accuracy is. He knows the passes he can throw and put them where he want and those that he can't. And I think Marcus was always, I always thought there were times that Marcus threw the ball up with a little bit of air under it, thinking, well, that'll give the player, that'll give the receiver more time to make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ryan is saying, hey, I only am going to throw this to one guy 
and I don't want anybody else to make a play on the ball. So, zing, here it is, you know, catch it. And so I think, again, I think that's, uh, you know, I think it has to do with confidence. I think it has to do, and we say this all the time, two most important things, making decisions and accuracy. And I think that Ryan is better decision maker and is more accurate with the ball. And is it is it a talent thing? Like, is it when you talk about accuracy, that's a talent thing. When you talk about arm strength, that's an accurate thing or a talent thing. When it's decision making, that's not a talent thing. No, it has that's to, just the men- mentality of your quarterback. And it has to do with accuracy. If you if you can throw the ball where you want, then you're confident you're going to do it. So you know, okay, let's see who's open. All right, that guy's open. Here you go. If you're not confident in your accuracy, I think, then you kind of, you know, it's always, I need him really open, much more open than you get in the NFL, and I can put it to him, or I've got to kind of put it up there and let's see if he can make a play on the ball for me, you know, Mm kind of thing. Do you think Tannehill has a big-time arm? When you look at him, though, I mean, I know you hate arm strength, and I understand why you hate arm strength, but then again, I'll see Rodgers do something, and I... You know, I mean, Rodgers will make some throws where you have to have the arm strength to make, but he's a special breed. Do you think Tannehill has a big-time arm for a quarterback? Because he's definitely got a better arm than Mario. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would call it big-time arm. Does he have a good enough arm? Yes, he does. You know, he has a good enough arm to win games. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So, um, you know, what I... Would I put it in the league with John Elway or, you know, guys that, that you think really, really had powerful arms? I don't know that I would, but I don't know that it needs to. I don't know that it needs to be the, at that level. Just as long as it's not, you know, if he can get the ball where he wants to, when he wants to, then he's doing, he's doing exactly what you need. So does it boil down to the fact that Tannehill plays with less fear than Mariota? Is that if, if TD's going to say... Tannehill's holding on to the ball for a, a split second longer, and the pass blocking has been worse. But the difference is it's third down in red zone, and you say that Tannehill's, I guess, faith in his arm to put the ball in there is the difference between the two. Is it that Tannehill plays less scared than Mario? Uh, I'm not sure it's fear as much as it is confidence. You know, it's just can, can you put the ball? I think Tannehill drop back, he'll look. He'll say, okay, the ball should go there. Can I get it there? Yes, I can. Zing. You know, whereas Marcus is, okay, the ball should go there. Can I get it there? I'm not sure. Well, this guy, maybe, the, oh, he's covered even more. All right, well, let's go back. And now, you know, you're kind of hoping and praying. So I, I think, uh, I just think Marcus, you know, Marcus needs a, an environment or an opportunity, an opportunity to, to gain his confidence back, you know, to believe. And sometimes, sometimes watching another quarterback, watching Tannehill helps your confidence mm-hmm. because you see another guy doing it and you say to yourself, well, I can do that, you know, and then you're kind of asking, why didn't I do it? I know I can do that. Give me another chance, you know, let me try it. So, uh, you know, he's he's going to have to. And and the other chance, the next chance may come here. We don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a lot of time. Uh, but he just, I think, needs another chance for him to go out there. He didn't have the luxury. And I was talking with a guy today. Stay, stay he, on the hold. Us, hold this thought. Can you hold that thought? Sure. Okay. Let's take your calls again. TD writes the pass blocking has been worse since Tannehill took over as quarterback. 
the he's hung on to the ball longer than Mariota, and yet has been better on third down and red zone, and that is the difference between the two. So has Tannehill jump-started this offense because of his confidence and because he's good? Or because maybe Marcus had a lack of confidence or Marcus wasn't good. Let's take your phones. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. We'll hit on the point Floyd was talking about with Mariota. We'll do that next. Plus, what Chris Sanders had to say about Tannehill and why I think it's good and bad. We'll discuss that as well. 615-737-1025. Jared, the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern outside the Sobro entrance at Bridgestone Arena. Preds and Calgary tonight. It's a Halloween edition. It's ESPN 1025. The game is streaming on the Game Nashville app. Seeing sizable jumps in third down conversion as well as red zone touchdown scoring since you've taken over as a starter. What really has been different? Like what, what's your explanation for that? I think the guys are executing. You know, we've had some opportunities. I'd like to have a few more down in the red zone. I think that's that's one area where we can, you know, just get down there more. We're, we're executing. We're, we're getting touchdowns and we're down there, but we need to get down there a few more times per game. So uh, really proud of the guys, the way they just keep battling. You know, a few times we went to third down and, and we're finally able to convert, get in the end zone on third down. So uh, just that belief that, hey, we're going to get in the end zone, maybe on first down, maybe on second, maybe on third, but we get down there, we believe we're going to get in the end zone. That was Ryan Tannehill talking about the red zone efficiency. Again, TD writing the difference between Mariota and Tannehill so far has been the fact that third down and red zones, right, right, wrong, or indifferent, Tannehill has been successful compared to Mariota. Floyd, you were talking about talking to somebody today about Mariota and the fact that Mariota needs another chance. It may come here. And what were what was the point you were going to make? Well, I was going to say that that Mariota has never had the luxury of sitting and watching. I don't even know that he had the luxury in college of sitting and watching somebody else that is successful practice and play and what they see and why they did this and you know what coverages what that coverage really means to him and where he can put the ball, where he can't put the ball, all the things that players learn. And we were talking specifically about um, Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. and how Aaron coming out, you know, how did, how did Aaron Rodgers last till the 24th pick? And we were talking about the fact that, you know, people had kind of put him in a group with some of the other Cal quarterbacks that had come out and, and thought he was kind of going to be the same thing. But I think he had the luxury of sitting and watching the opposite of what he was. Brett Favre, mm-hmm. the gunslinger from the word go. And, I mean, Brett, Brett always thought, I'm going to throw four touchdowns, and if I have to throw two or three interceptions to do that, I'm cool. You know, And I think he could see that part of it, too. So what he ended up being was he ended up being part of the program, college program, college quarterback that he was and the gunslinger that Brett is. And you watch him throw the ball like the ball, the miraculous pass he threw the other night. That's Brett Favre all the way. Mm-hmm. And he had the luxury of, of a year or two, maybe even part of three, just watching that and being around that and watching him practice. And why did you throw the ball there? And what did you see? And all of those things. And I even go back to my time with Steve McNair when, when we had Neil O'Donnell. And I can remember, you know, a coach would go into a meeting and explain a play and explain it against this coverage and that coverage and all the different coverages that you need to to make sure that you, 
you know, you check all the boxes. And then Neil would meet Steve outside and he would say, hey, if you call that play and you see this coverage, forget it. You see this coverage, forget it. You see this one or this one, you put it right here or right mm-hmm. here. And and Steve would go, oh, okay, cool. You know, so, I mean, I think that's the, that's the little bit you get from the guy that has been there, that has done it, that really knows what you can and can do with, with consistency. I would say the thing about the Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers, I heard Matt Hasselbeck say one time, that, he, that the resemblance between the way Rodgers operates the huddle and the line is so much like Brett Favre. And Matt Hasselbeck would know because he quarterbacked under Brett Favre too. Right. So I think there's probably something to that. I mean, we always talked about the fact that Mariota never had a good backup. And maybe he should have had a better backup when he took over the team. That if it wasn't Charlie Whitehurst and it was actually a good player, maybe Mariota could have been helped. In hindsight, I think back to Mariota, and I, he made some plays as a rookie. Marcus should have been on the bench his rookie year. Coming from what Oregon was and what the tight and what the NFL is, he should have sat a year on the bench. And I know nobody <laughs> likes to do that anymore, and I get it and all of that, but he every, should have every sat quarter, a year on the Every bench. quarterback should sit. I don't care who you are. Mahomes sat. People forget that, you know. I mean, I don't care who you are. You come out and you get into the league – you need a a period of time that you can learn something besides pain, discomfort, booing, disappointment, depression, mm-hmm. all the things that you get as a rookie quarterback in this league. And you need to be able to watch somebody else and say, ah, that's the way you do Okay, I see that. Okay, let's go. What's next? Uh, instead of you know, getting thrown out there and, and trying to figure out what your offense is about. Forget the defense. You don't care about that. You don't know what they're doing. Uh, and and the whole time you're doing that, you're getting killed. Let's go to your phone. 615-737-1025. Trace going to kick us off today on Mariota and Tannehill. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Trace. Fellas, uh, uh, I'm extremely excited because if you all knew, all of my homeboys that I'm talking football with, and whenever we talk about quarterbacks, I'll tell you the number one thing I've been saying for the last 10 years is that I don't care what quarterback you show me. There's not one quarterback that should ever go to the NFL, especially a top 10 pick, and expect him to start and be successful progressively. I just, I just think it's impossible because if you think about any time you've learned anything from anybody in your, in your life in general, whether it's fishing or, or, or math or whatever it is, sports, uh, being a football player myself, I've, had my my biggest leap in uh, intelligence or, or even my motor skills when I watch somebody else do it and just at least mimic them do it, especially people who I saw had success in it. And that even came from me uh, trying to walk on at TSU when Rogers Cromartie was there. I, I watched him doing what well, was just practice in general, and I just started imitating what he was doing, and I started to get more looks from coaches just in general. So, uh I had time to sit there and do that. And when you, you're, you know, leaving the front, you don't know what's bad, you don't know what's good, you don't know, uh, you don't, especially with a quarterback and his nuances, you're, you definitely have to understand things that you should or shouldn't do in McNair's, uh, uh, Trace, perspective. If I could just Trace, I, I appreciate your call. I mean, the yeah. truth is on the, on the young quarterbacks, and, and this is kind of the reason why I would like to see Tannehill back, uh, if the Titans can't get somebody better, is, is not, 
because I don't think the Titans may need to get younger at quarterback one day. It's because I would like to see if they let's say they draft Joe Burrow. I'd like to see Joe Burrow sit. I'd like to see a young guy sit. Mahomes sat. Look at him. I you mean, can't. The problem. This is what you run into, and and we. This is what we ran into. We ran into it a couple of times actually, but with Vince Young. You know, the plan was Steve was going to train Vince. Mm-hmm. You know, Vin, he was going to be his mentor. And we thought it would be perfect because Vince and Steve were really, really close. Steve would have spilled his guts to Vince like he wouldn't have spilled them to anybody else. And so, you know, at the end, I think he would come out with some guy that had the, the smarts and the wherewithal that Steve had and, and you know, his skill set. Um of course, that didn't work out. So what did we do? We went out and we got Gary Collins. Why did we get Gary? Basically the same reason. Mm-hmm. The problem is Kerry comes in and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, we just need Kerry to kind of get us through, you know, a, a year. You know, if we can just go 9-7 and seven, or if we can be competitive or if we can be. And then right off the bat, we're like 0-5. Oh, yeah, y'all were terrible. 0-6. Oh, we were awful. So now, what are you for? You're forced to throw the young quarterback in there, and you don't want to. Just like and the you Giants know this it's year, not best. Yeah, you, you want know to be lying to give him a chance. You know it's not going to help him. But what are your choices? You know, yeah, I mean, so so we end up making the move, and he ended up, you know, doing okay. But I, I'm not sure that helped him because he he started doing things. You know, he didn't have that time to sit and watch and learn and understand and and figure out and see how these guys, like you're talking about, how they run the huddle. How are they in meetings? How are they in team meetings? You know, what do they do in the sideline? What do they do at halftime? What are, all of those kinds of things that, you know, coaches really don't spend a lot of time teaching. You know, I mean, I'm not sure how much you can teach along those lines. But, uh, but if you see somebody else do it, you, can, you hear me talk all the time about pass rushers. And this was always the, the most glaring example to me. You could coach a young defensive end, a young pass rusher, how to, how to rush. You know, here's an arm over, here's a stab, here's a double move, here's a spin. You let him go out there and watch a veteran that knows what they're doing, and you let him see that two or three times, he's got it. It's locked in. He knows exactly what to do. And that saves you. You know, as a coach, I mean, you spend hours trying to get him to learn what he learned in, you know, two minutes. Let's take more phones. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Jared of the GM Live out at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. Again, I'm dressed as a panda. Floyd, too cool to celebrate Halloween. Killer whale. Again, that's in the endangered species family, so I'll give it to you. All right. 615-737-1025. Coming up next, what Chris Sanders had to say yesterday about Tannehill. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We'll discuss that coming up next here on Jared and the GM. Again, we've got tickets to give away. Do not miss the pregame show. That's right. That'll be live starting at 930 from the George Jones downtown. Start your morning off with the kickoff from 7 to 930, followed by the pregame show featuring Chris Sanders, the GM, and Nick Kale. And for me, live from the George Jones downtown on 2nd Avenue Sunday, 
9.30 to 11.30 prior to the Titans taking on the Panthers. The pregame show is brought to you by Wholesale Inc., powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, your Middle Tennessee Kubota dealers, and Boom Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House. That is the pregame show. Get excited for that. Jared and the GM live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. CSP at 1025, the game. Decisive like that, I know Pat O'Hara mentioned it yesterday too. Is that just a matter of processing quickly, or is it? I'm sure there's a lot of things involved with, with trust, having never played the, the position, but um, trying to to understand it and, and, and gain an insight and help, um, whether it be the quarterback or receivers, you know, trying to figure out what the other team's job is and how they're attacking you. And, you know, is this a team that we see that's going to inch into the end zone? Are they going to undercut you at the end zone? Um, how do they play zone? Are they going to play inside leverage man? You know, there's a lot of things that go into it, and so I think there's some decisions that, that have to happen pretty quickly, especially down there um, since we're on the red zone where the, the windows are, are tighter and the area and the space is, is much shorter. So when the windows are tighter in the red zone and the area is smaller, you probably want a quarterback who is more decisive throwing the football and more accurate, which Floyd has been the two things you have noticed about Ryan Tannehill in comparison to what Marcus Mariota was before him. Fair to say? Probably fair, yeah. Which is why when you get in the red zone under Tannehill, you're getting the ball in the end zone. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue for forever, what they're going to take away, what they're going to do, but at least Tannehill is getting the ball into the end zone right now. Chris Sanders was on our show yesterday, former Titans receiver. You've talked about this a lot, Floyd, about how Tannehill was basically given a 10-game audition He's aced two tests. He's got eight more to go. And Chris says that is what he is seeing out of Ryan Tannehill. I think it's a good quarterback because, you know, this is Tannehill's last rodeo. I mean, he knows if, if he doesn't do well, then he's not going to be in this league so much longer. I mean, he's playing, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Look into, listen to his interviews. His interviews sound different from this year to now because he has a chip on his shoulder and he has something to prove. You know, everybody's been talking about that he's injury prone and, you know, he plays two games and the next game he plays terrible. Right now, I'm seeing a consistent quarterback. I've seen a quarterback that's poised in the pocket. I've seen a quarterback that's controlling the offense. I see a quarterback that's not making mistakes. And if you have that with along, coming along with a great defense, he's just putting himself in, in, in position for the Tennessee Titans to win games. Floyd, what do we make of the Tannehill knows this is his last rodeo and is giving it everything he's got? And does that worry you that if, let's say, you sign Tannehill at the end of this year, that he's going to revert to the Miami Tannehill and not be the guy that's winning you all of these games. Well, I, I mean, if you think that's going to happen, you're not going to sign him. You know, I mean, I think the bottom line is in the in in this particular situation is what is the team like that he's playing for, and and the bottom line is right now, after two games, it appears that the way we play, defense, the things we do. The things we ask of our quarterback match what he can do. Now, does that continue? Is that just a, a shot in the dark and we lucked into it for two games? I mean, we're going to find out starting this weekend again. But, I, I mean, I think that's what you're looking for. And, and that's why you see quarterbacks that get a new environment and they go out there and, and play better and are better. I'm not sure it's so much that that they're a great deal better as much as it kind of matches up with, you know, what the, what the team's trying to do offensively. Is that where Tannehill fits in? Like, is Tannehill a better fit for what the Titans were trying to do than Marcus was? Right now he is. Well, I think that that may be because Tannehill might be better. 
Well, you know, like yeah, that, that sure. Tannehill would be better for almost any team outside of like Arizona in terms of doing what they want you to do. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends. Like, he wouldn't be good at, at Kansas City. Tannehill wouldn't opinion. be? I wouldn't think. Would Marcus be good at Kansas City? No. <laughs> so, well, you know. I mean, you got that's They want to put the ball downfield. I mean, any place where you're Raiders and places like that where, you know, they're throwing. I'm not, I'm not sure that's either one of their strengths. You know, whereas if you want it at New England, you know, where you've got to be accurate, you've got to put the ball on them, the ball's got to come out right now, I think Tannehill would have a chance to, to help them, you know, play in an environment like that. New Orleans. Uh, not maybe, but not as much. Houston? Uh, Houston. Houston has taken that offense and modeled it just for that quarterback. And I love that. And it has nothing to do with scheme. or It's strictly backyard ball. Oh, yeah. It's like block your man as long as you can to give Deshaun yeah. just a little bit of time to run around. Let Deshaun and then let DeAndre right. get out open and throw it in the area of DeAndre. There you go. And that is that, – that, and you know what? That works for them. Yeah. And it may not be sustainable because Watson may get knocked if, out. But he hasn't yet, but it works for the Texans. If you were to take him and put him in a situation where he had to stay in the pocket and had to throw from the pocket, uh, I'm not sure you'd be all that excited. I will say this, though. The Chargers, bad defense. Tampa Bay, 32nd in terms of of pass defense, although I think Tampa Bay's pass defense is much better than they get credit for, numbers-wise. I mean, that defensive line is no joke. With those two big guys, and then you got uh, Barrett, who's leading the league in sacks, and who's the other guy, JPP? I mean, and JPP hadn't played a game until Sunday. Uh, but I was listening to Vrabel run off the names of the Carolina defense. Woo. And that's before you get to Luke Keekley and before you get to that secondary. But they got names of Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe and Brian Burns who went in the first and the, round. And and they the got, part, I'm like, I'm a little worried for Tannehill's you health. Look at, you look at their entire defensive line, and this isn't exactly right, but you look at it. And it's like everybody on the line has three or four sacks. It's not one guy. It's everybody. And they're coming every snap. And so it's, you know, the, the offensive line has to not, you're not going to be able to say, okay, if we take this guy out of the game, we'll have a chance. I mean, we're going to have to stand in there and pass protect on the, against these guys. I mean, I just, because look, I'll tell you this. I don't know. Here's what I know about the Carolina Panthers. And we'll get into Carolina more you know, tomorrow and throughout the week. But Carolina is not a team. When the Titans play a New England, a Dallas, a Green Bay, an Indianapolis, a Houston, a team like that that you know, we know, we all know, like we can do literally four days talking about the Cowboy game. We can't do more than one or two days talking about the Buffalo Bills. We just can't. Uh, Like Cleveland last before the first game, I was thankful for how much hype they were getting because we could talk about Cleveland for forever because everybody knew Baker and Odell. And I, here's what I know about Carolina right now. I know they've got uh, Cam Newton Hurt, Kyle Allen from Texas A&M, who then transferred to Houston. He's their quarterback. Christian McCaffrey, their running back, might be the single best player in the league. I don't know, but it seems that way. Uh, and then their defense has Luke Keekley, who's a stud. A lot of names that I did not even know were on their team. And they were freaking awful. Week two when Cam played quarterback against Tampa on TV. And they were much better week six when they played Tampa on TV. And that's all I know about the Carolina Panthers. But I am worried for Tannehill's health this week when I heard Vrabel reeling off the names they have on that defensive line. 
No, this this team is much better than than for example last week. You know, people look at last week what happened to them versus San Francisco, and they go, "Geez, that team is so bad." I'm gonna tell you what, you will be shocked. You say an au contraire, mon frère. Uh, oh, mon, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> au contraire, mon frère. Okay. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Jared and the GM. We are live out at Pete and Terry's Tavern today again. We got a pair of tickets. You can come out and register to win. Plus, we got candy for Halloween. Come trick or treat. Even though the GM is too cool to put on a costume, if you had to put on a costume, what costume would you put on? No costumes. You have to pick one costume. Don't We don't do costumes. You cannot tell me that at some point in your life, Sally Reese has not had you go to a costume oh, party. absolutely. And you've had to wear a costume. Oh, yeah. And what costumes did you wear? I mean, the, the only two I can remember is I went as a female tennis player and as a biker. <laughs> what? A female tennis player? Yes. What? Yeah. And do pictures of this exist? Yeah. Sal had T-shirts made of it. <laughs> Can I get a T-shirt? No. I'll I, take uh, one, you too. Know what? Yep. <laughs> I have a direct line to Sally. I may have to use it. Ian and I may have to get outfitted with the official Floyd Reese dressed as a women's tennis player. A women's <laughs> tennis player. What made you want to be that? You know what? You you said, didn't Sally ever dress you up? What are you, like a Cabbage Patch doll? <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get me to dress up, you got to do it. So she did it. Maybe you should have, like, been an astronaut. Like, if you had just had a little bit more control of your situation, you wouldn't have been a... I mean, this is fantastic information we've just uncovered. Floyd Reese dressed up as a women's tennis player. And that doesn't even get to the second part about Floyd Reese dressed up as a biker. That's a whole different subset of a discussion to discuss. Floyd Reese dressed as a biker. Well, like a Hells Angels biker? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole works. I mean, were you still it. GM when that happened? Oh, I don't know. God, I uh, hope you were. Oh, 615 the baseball game last night I want to get into. Game 7 of the World Series, and this is what I want to know. Did Floyd watch one pitch of the World Series last night? And if he didn't, is he a complete and utter hypocrite? We get to that coming up next here on Jared and the GM. ESPN 94.9 Game 2 is the official English radio home of the National Soccer Club. Listen in Saturday night, Nashville SC Indy 11 at First Tennessee Park in the Eastern Conference semifinals of the USL playoffs. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff at 7, only on ESPN 94.9 Game 2, powered by your Middle Tennessee Toyota dealer's tickets. Available to purchase at NashvilleSC.com. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025 again. Altuve shading just a little bit up the middle. Kendrick can really shoot the ball to right field. The 0-1, and he tries to, and he hits it down the right field line. It's a long run into the corner, and it's gone. It hit the foul pole. Howie Kendrick with a two-run homer, and Washington has taken the lead. The 3-2 on the way. Swing and a miss. Hudson gets him, throws his glove towards his teammates as they race out of the dugout. And the celebration begins for the Washington Nationals as they come together in a cluster on the infield. This improbable story from mid-May on as the Nationals overcame a dreadful start to the season, got hot, and just continued right on through the postseason. And for the first time ever, the Washington Nationals are World Series champions. Uh -huh. 
killed me. Oh, it killed me yesterday as an Atlanta Braves fan watching the Nationals win the World Series. But Floyd Reese, I have to ask you a question. By the way, the baseball ratings have not been great for the World Series. They've been in the 12, 13 million range. Not last night. 23 million viewers for Game 7. That would be double Sunday night football, or close to double Sunday night football last Sunday. So that tells you that America will watch... Sunday night football last Sunday was the lowest rated Sunday night football they've had in like three years. Well, I'm just going off of that. (laughs) But, (laughs) But, back to my original point. That America will watch a Game 7 baseball. The problem is there's too many games, so people are like... Eh, call me when there's a Game 7. Game 7 on a Wednesday night, no other sports on TV. You are a sit-at-home-watch-TV kind of guy for sports, and you are a, you want to see the best of the best competing as hard as they can. Did you watch a pitch of baseball last night? I did. Really? Yeah. Did you wa- How much of the game did you watch? Well, here's, here's what you either love or hate about baseball. I watched until the middle of the third. I had to go to the airport. About This is about 8.20. I had to go to the airport, pick Sally up. The flight was late. Didn't get back home till about 5 after 10. It was the top of the seventh. Score had completely changed. And you wonder what went on, what went on. About that time, they showed me one play, the home run, and I knew what happened for the whole time I was gone. I said, that that's baseball. All of that time you spent the three hour and a half watching, all you need to do is see one play, and you're good. In all fairness, <laughs> in all fairness, you can say the same thing about football. Oh, can you? Yeah, you leave. It's 3 nothing. It's uh-huh. 3 nothing. Titans. You go to the airport. You pick Sal up. You come back. It's 7-3 in starting the fourth quarter. And they show you the touchdown that made it. But you don't. But yeah, but you don't see the runs and the sacks and the fumbles and the interceptions and all this. Okay, well, you didn't see the Zach Granke strikeouts and the fact that he left with one hit. He struck out a lot differently than the other guys struck out. Well, he was striking everybody out. But (laughs) Zach Granke pitched a hell of a game last night, and he came out, turned it over to the Astros bullpen, not Garrett Cole. And the Astros' bullpen completely fell apart. To me, this, this is the thing that I've learned about sports in America. And we know baseball is on the downward trend. It's just the reality of the sport. What's happened is the owners have chosen more. It's, it's a quantity versus quality kind of thing. If the Green Bay Packers played 162 games a year, then every single Green Bay Packer game wouldn't mean as important as the 16 games a year that they do play. But they play 16 games. That's why college basketball's regular season doesn't really matter. That's why, you know, a lot of these sports, their regular season, as Floyd would say, get me to the playoffs, baby. And now it's even gotten watered down there because everything's a seven-game series. So why do I need to care about game two for? Unless my team's in it, why do I care about game two? But America will watch a championship event, regardless of who the teams are, especially when it's by itself away from football. And that is the one thing I wish these other sports would learn. Oh, yeah. Perfect night. Stay away from the NFL. Yeah, there was nothing else on. Literally nothing. No hockey, no football, no, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe there's basketball. And I but. still think games like last night, that's an entertaining baseball game, you know, where there's strategy involved and the crowd's into it. And you see the guy hits the home run for the Nationals and their dugout goes nuts and you're sitting there like, Oh, my God, the Nationals are about to steal the World Series. 
And that's what happened last night. I mean, I thought last night was a huge win for baseball and was it gives me hope that baseball can be saved if they would just get smarter about their product uh, instead of just worrying about making money all the time. If they would just get smarter and they would continue to have interesting good games and, and teams trying to win and stuff like that, that baseball could be saved as a sport. Good luck. <laughs> What I want to look up. <laughs> there will always be baseball fans. Baseball, I think what's think happened to baseball. Like fans? I think what's happened to baseball is baseball went from, you know, at, at a point in time, there were probably people say, this is America's sport, baseball. Mm-hmm. It went from that where everybody watched it, everybody played it, everybody was interested in it, to now it's more like hockey. If you've got a baseball team, you're you really your local into team, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm into these guys, a la Boston. But if you're, you know, you don't care about the Astros, or you don't care about the Cardinals, or you don't care about the Giants. I mean, you're worried about, you know, the, the Bruin or Boston. What are they going to do? So I, I think it's turned to more, more into that. How about this number? Now, this is crazy. Game 7 of the World Series drew 20... Make sure I get this right. 23 million viewers on TV. Game six of the NBA Finals last year where the Raptors beat Golden State. And Golden State, you know, I know the Astros and the Nationals have some good players. But outside of Strasburg, there aren't a ton of superstar players. Like Verlander, Strasburg have been superstars for a while. Like these other guys like Garrett Cole and Rendon, they're really good players. But I wouldn't consider them like superstars. Like I would consider Kawhi Leonard or Steph Curry or Draymond Green or Kevin Durant or those kind of guys. Game six of the NBA Finals, 18 million viewers. So the NBA Finals last game got 5 million less viewers than game seven of the World Series. But what do you think they talk about more on TV? Basketball or Uh, baseball? No, basketball. Why? More well, people I mean, yeah, watch Game 7 baseball well, yeah, than watch that basketball. was Game 6. You think Game 7 for basketball? Was oh, it? yeah. Would have I drawn it? I mean, that's why the, the only way you didn't expect it to go. What was Game 6 of this series? That's a really good question. Uh, yeah. I'll bet that I'll bet it'll be much, much less than whatever that so was. So we had 18.34 million. Whatever the number. For, uh, we had 18 point. Talk for a little bit as I look at these World Series ratings. We had 18.3 million for game six of the NBA Finals. So I want to pull up this year. I'll bet, the, I'll bet the series is less. And I'm just guessing. 16.4. There you go. Now. now <laughs> there you go. And it was on a post from football. But I'm just convinced baseball, these sports need to move their seasons around to stay away from the NFL. Baseball moves, contract your season by a month. You know, have the pennant races be and the playoffs be in August and have the World Series be like the second week of September. Well, I'll tell you what it would Hockey, do. Hockey, move it back. It would really, you know, rather than, than the NFL just completely dominating everything, mm-hmm. it would be, you know, when it came basketball season, their ratings would be better than ever. When it came base, their ratings would be better than ever. When it came hockey, you know, each one would have their season. And and I think they would probably increase the way the NFL does because they would be there wouldn't be any competition with anybody else. But they won't do it. These no. sports are too they're they're too stubborn 
Because, like, I was talking to somebody about that uh, here. I was like, hockey, and I've said this for forever, hockey needs to start around December 1st. Or Black Friday needs to be, like, the first hockey game. that And push hockey and push the cup final into July when there's not a lot going on. Everybody in America will watch because we watch sports. And they're like, oh, no, could you imagine telling David Poyle they're going to move the season back a month? And I'm thinking to myself, who cares? Why do I care if David Poyle, because he's been doing it one way his whole life, has to move his season back a month? Why do I care if he doesn't like it? We're talking about the greater good of the sport. But you know the guys in Toronto. In Montreal, we cannot move the hockey season back. And in baseball, you know, the old Pat Paws in St. Louis. Nope, not moving it up. But I think last night you showed no, nothing else on. Everybody watched last yeah. night. Everybody watched. By the way, and that's the other thing, baseball, this is such a moneymaker. If they can find a way to pump out 23 million viewers for a World Series game where the Yankees and the Cubs and those teams aren't playing, imagine what they'll get if they get a World Series with those kind of teams in it. And considering that they have 162 games of inventory for the money they're making, owning a baseball team is the right way to be. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. I thought it was a fun game last night. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't take anything away from it other than what you just saw, but, you know. Top of the seventh, it was 6-2, to two, was it, the top of the seventh? No, I think they added runs four on to two. the night. They have something like uh, that. It was over. 615-737-1025. We know there are a lot of Titans impending free agents. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, uh, et cetera. Why there is one guy who I think the Titans have got to sign, and I'd sign him right now before free agency even becomes a thought. We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025, the game.